Lord Jesus, as we are approaching this Thursday when we celebrate or have an opportunity to give thanksgiving, may we first of all realize that ultimately we can only give thanks because of you, because of the God that you are, because you reaching down from heaven with your Son, giving us the greatest gift that we can always be grateful for, anything we're going through, Lord. We pray for those who have a really hard time this Thanksgiving. Uh, and you give us opportunities to meet them. Will you meet them? We can't. Will you, your presence be so felt and noticeable that they will say, God is with me. Christ is with me. The Spirit is with me. And Lord, as we open up tonight, we open up your word, as we listen to your spirit, may we hear you speak to us. Guide our conversations, Lord. In Jesus' name, amen. 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 Um, I just want to say that I appreciate Tom's comment last week ever so more, because I started doing reading of Romans 8, and then 1 up to 8, and I thought... This is hard to understand. There's there's a lot going on here. This is deep stuff. And it's hard to grab a hold to an anchor that you can hang on to because it's so fluid. Which comment did he make more about being schizophrenic? (laughs) That's one that I remember, which I thought was really good because I thought that was very insightful. Well, you know, roses are red, violets are blue. I'm schizophrenic. It's going mine. <laughs> but which one would you, you, you always have so appropriate saying? <laughs> which one? So, so Eric, am I. Eric, which one would you talk about when you said that you were reflecting? He was saying, this is hard. Yeah, yeah. This is hard to it understand. Is hard. Yeah. It is hard. Which yeah, brings me to the question, before we start, in simple terms, could you tell us eight and seven? What's the difference? Um, no, I won't, before we start, because I'm going to talk about that after we start. Okay. <laughs> so, okay. that will start us. That's good. We, we could literally take that conversation and go the rest of the evening, probably, yeah, okay. with, I think we'll review that. Let's go around um, and introduce ourselves, and Jim is new to our group. You probably have not, I don't think, I've, I, might, I think I've seen you at church. Or just Sunday was our first Sunday. First time, but yeah. I think I'd recognize you from maybe Sunday. Which service you come to? Uh, I think the first one. Okay. All right. Eight forty-five. Yeah. Yeah. Nine. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Okay. okay. Um, you want to introduce yourself? Yeah. So I'm, say... I'm. My name is Jim Jansma. Um, my wife and I uh, moved here from downtown Chicago two months ago. You escaped. Uh, uh, no, don't believe everything you see on Fox News. Um, and. Um, our son and daughter-in-law live in Aliso, and they're uh, pregnant with their first. With their first, and so job opportunity came up with my company, and so we decided to move now instead of waiting for retirement. So um, Laguna Niguel is not downtown Chicago. Uh, it's very quiet and very dark here. Um, I think I've heard six sirens since we moved, and we've been kind of church dating, and so we came across. Um, your church and we checked it out. And how did you find out? I'm the one that doesn't. Uh, well, it's like searching on the web. I mean, we've okay. been, 
I grew up, I was a, P, I was a PK. Um, and so we've, you know, we've been involved, um, you know, volunteered and did all sorts of stuff at our uh, church. And we're originally from Seattle. Um, what's a PK? Preacher's kid. Preacher's kid. Oh. Um, so, you know, we kind of know the drill and what kind of what, what to look for and what questions to ask and what questions don't ask. Don't ask on the first Sunday. Um, so as a PK, we can't fool you. Oh, you can fool me. Yeah, yeah. yeah. No, that's. That What's one. your wife's name? Uh, Maddie. Okay. But you yeah. just answer my question because my wife is telling me that she met your wife, but I didn't know if that your wife was the did. same one that was <laughs> your wife. Did. Yeah. And, when, and she said, when you said Chicago, I go yes, yep. same one. So good, awesome. You were from Metro Chicago. Downtown? Yeah, right downtown. And so was there, the, the church you attended was in that area? It was, in, it was near the DePaul campus, um, uh, in the section, it was called Lincoln Park. Oh, right. So you've been to Chicago. So. Oh, well, I have cousins there. I'm just curious which church uh, that you would have been part of. We were we were attending, um, we raised our kids in a covenant church. In fact, our daughter went to college at North Park, which is the national covenant denomination university which exposed my wife to chicago which which kind of caused us to get there in the first place um but the church we attended was the united church of christ right yeah radio yeah samples yeah loved it good good well welcome why don't we go around but we didn't have a view of the pacific ocean from (laughs) st paul's um Mm -hmm. like like we did on sunday that was that's pretty cool (laughs) nice that's pretty nice like we should like yeah yeah and we we lived right right next to right, right next to the lake right downtown where are you in Laguna de Hill? We're in Rain House. So we're just renting. Oh, okay. We're trying to figure out where we... So you're like around the block from a few of us. Yeah. So. What part of downtown Chicago? So it's called Lakeshore East. So our the back of our apartment looked down on Wack, where Wacker and Lakeshore Drive connect. Yeah, I was at Lakeshore. I was at uh, Lakeview or Lake... Shoot. I forget where I was. I lived there for like two months. <laughs> oh, nice. Yeah. Is that awesome. close to Filene's basement? I don't know. Finally, it's a discount store downtown <laughs> under the L. Mm, no, where do my shopping places? Oh, I've right. <laughs> been two years in the uh, Hilton Hotel downtown. Oh, nice. The one on South Michigan. Yeah. Okay. So we're cool. all saying we've been to Chicago. I've born and raised Chicago for about four years. I knew all the places you mentioned. Go Cubs, go. Go Cubs. Yeah. So I've been. I've been to Chicago. Are you still a Cubs fan? Absolutely. Yeah. I went to Chicago because I went to Hammer University. <laughs> and not too many people can say they went to Hammer University, but I did. It was one of the best experiences I've ever had in my life. I was, because I was a store manager of five different McDonald's restaurants in the Bay Area. And so they sent me to Hammer uh, University. Yeah. It was the yep. best management training I've so ever had. So was that when they were in Deerfield or they moved back into the city by I said Hamburger University. Yep. In Oprah. Yeah, yeah I don't even know. Where'd you learn? I don't Amber. So they're downtown Amber. now. Headquarters is now downtown. So yeah. it's, McDonald- yeah. it's a university. He's old. So that's why I figured it was Oak Brook. Wow. Yeah. yeah. And yeah. it might have been. I yeah. didn't know anything about Chicago. They, they still have Hamburger University. Yeah. yeah. So it was, it was literally the best. I have used the training I got there for everything I've done in my life since. It Why don't you have that on your resume on the church website? Graduate. Graduate. <laughs> Greg is one of the most organized persons I know, and our church benefits from Hamburger University. So they're always on time, ahead of time. Yeah. Yeah. And it's the same all the time. <laughs> it's yeah, every change. Every time it's every time it's, it's, here, it's the same over here. Yeah. 
We should start calling him Big Mac. I couldn't sleep the first couple weeks because it was so dark and so quiet. Um, all right, so let's go around and introduce ourselves, and then we'll test you at the end, Jim, see if you remember what his name. I'm teasing, but um, go ahead, Gil, start with Gil. My name's Gil. Bruce. Eric. And Jim, I'm Mike. David. Peter. Caleb. Steve. Jim. Dale. Rod. Tom. Glenn. Tom. Jason. And Greg. Um, one thing before I forget, Ken um, is not here right now because he's traveling for Thanksgiving, but wants me to remind all of you guys that we're doing this hike um, this Saturday at 8 o'clock. Look on the app. That's <laughs> um, over in, where do you guys call that? 133, what's it called? Anyway, it's, uh, the hiking uh, places there. Anyway, so... The top of the hill. You can see it. I think it's Big Ben, though. Big yeah. Ben, one he's talking about. Right yeah. The same one he had planned. To go back yes. to the PCH. Yes. It's the last one on the left. Yeah, before El Toro, I think, yes. right? Oh, yeah, right before El Toro. Last part on the left. So eight o'clock I think it's called Monarch. Yeah, it might be. All right. Um, all right, so... One of the... So, You'll find out as we sort of go along a little bit. We're doing Romans uh, differently. Um, some people start in Romans 1, sort of the natural place. Some people start in Romans 12 to 15 and work their way backwards. Uh, we're actually starting Romans in Romans 8, and we're going to be launching off from Romans 8. Um, so one of the things I want to sort of consistently do is just soak ourselves in Romans 8. And last week, I don't know if anybody thinks things that can possibly beat Steve's reading, but I will give you an opportunity. So I would love to have someone other than Steve. Let's just read all of Romans 8 again. We're going to get this thing so in us. Um, so who would like to read all of Romans 8? <clears throat> Look at all these people that are so... I, I always volunteer. I'll, I'll Everybody's so hesitant because he did such a great job last time. <laughs> I know. So who wants to do it? I'll do it. Okay, do you have the CSV version? I do. Okay. <clears throat> Dear Father, help us to hear this word from you. The life-giving spirit. <clears throat> Therefore, there is now... No condemnation for those in Christ Jesus. Because the law of the spirit of life in Christ Jesus has set you free from the law of sin and death. For what the law could not do, since it was weakened by the flesh, God did. He condemned sin in the flesh by sending his own son in the likeness of sinful flesh as a sin offering, in order that the law's requirement would be fulfilled in us who do not walk according to the flesh, but according to the Spirit. For those who live according to the flesh 
have their minds set on the things of the flesh. But those who live according to the Spirit have their minds set on the Spirit. Now the mindset of the flesh is death. But the mindset of the Spirit is life and peace. The mindset of the flesh is hostile, hostile to God because it does not submit to God. <coughs> Indeed, it is unable to do so. Those who are in the flesh cannot please God. You, however, are not in the flesh, but in the Spirit. I'm going to say that again. You, however, are not in the flesh, but in the Spirit, if indeed the Spirit of God lives in you. If anyone does not have the Spirit of Christ, he does not belong to him. Now, if Christ is in you, the body is dead because of sin. Is the body is dead because of sin, but the Spirit gives life because of the righteousness. And if the Spirit of Him who raised Jesus from the dead lives in you, then He who raised Christ from the dead will also bring your mortal bodies to life through His Spirit who lives in you. So then, brothers, well, the Holy Spirit is So then, brothers and sisters, we are not obligated to the flesh to live according to the flesh, because if you live according to the flesh, you are going to die. But if the spirit you put to death, the spirit, by the spirit. But, but if by the spirit, thank you, you put to death the deeds of the body, you will live. For all those led by God's spirit are God's sons. For you did not receive a spirit of slavery to fall back into fear. Instead, you received the spirit of adoption by whom we cry out, Abba, Father. The Spirit himself testifies together with our spirit that we are God's children. And if children also heirs, heirs of God and co-heirs with Christ, if indeed we suffer with him so that we may also be glorified with him. From groans to glory, for I consider that the sufferings of this present time are not worth comparing with the glory that is going to be revealed to us. For the creation eagerly waits with anticipation for God's sons to be revealed. For the creation was subjected to futility, not willingly, but because of him who subjected it in, in the hope that the creation itself will also be set free from the bondage of to decay into the glorious freedom of God's children. For we know that the whole creation has been groaning together with labor pains until now. Not only that, but we ourselves who have the Spirit as the first fruits, we also groan within ourselves, eagerly waiting for adoption, the redemption of our bodies. Now in this hope we were saved. But hope that is seen is not hope, because who hopes for what he sees? Now if we hope 
for what we do not see. We eagerly wait for it with patience. In the same way, the Spirit also helps us in our weakness, because we do not know what to pray for as we should, but the Spirit himself intercedes for us with inexpressible groanings. And he who searches our hearts knows the mind of the Spirit, because he intercedes for the saints according to the will of God. We know that all things work together for the good of those who love God, who are called according to his purpose. For those he knew, he also predestined to be confronted to the image of his Son, so that he would be the firstborn among many brothers and sisters. And those he predestined, he also called, and those he called, he also justified, and those he justified, he also glorified. What then are we to say about these things? If God is for us, who is against us? He did not even spare his own son, but gave him up for all of us, for us all. How will he also, not with him, grant us everything? Who can bring on accusation against God's elect? God is the one who justifies. Who is the one who can who is the one that condemns? Christ Jesus is the one who died, but even more has been raised. He also is at the right hand of God and intercedes for us. We can separate us. Who can separate us from the love of Christ? Can affliction or distress, or persecution, or famine, or nakedness, or danger of sword, as it is written, because of you we are being put to death all day long, and we are counted as sheep to be slaughtered. No, in all these things we are more than conquerors. Through him who loved us, for I am persuaded that neither death, nor life, nor angels, nor rulers, nor things present, nor things to come, nor powers, nor height, nor depth, nor any other created thing will be able to separate us from the love of God that is in Christ Jesus our Lord. Word of the Lord. Amen. 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 You could spend a year on this on just on Romans eight. Don't encourage. No, no. Why not? We actually will be spending probably a year on Romans eight because Romans eight is the launching point for everything we're going to do with Romans. Um, it's astonishing. Yeah. One thing. So, just a little quick review for a question I want to ask, which is, as a reminder, a little bit of a review again. If you go back to page six. Um, in our text, when we started our study a couple weeks ago, we started by reading Romans 1, 1 through 17. <clears throat> and you'll notice in 16 and 17, I just want to read it again, that Paul says, For I am not ashamed of the gospel, which everybody knows means what? The good news. Good news. Okay. Because it is the power of God for salvation to everyone who believes. And then notice how he says, first to the Jew and also to the Greek. So one of the big things about Romans is, we talked about this the first night, is that Paul is writing to a church in Rome. That church 
is probably predominantly Gentile, but also has a number of Jews in it. And so what Paul is doing in Romans is Paul is addressing not just the gospel, as far as just the good news of who is Jesus, but he's addressing that within the whole history of sort of the whole biblical history. All right. So in, in a way, Romans is looking at everything as far as what happened, not just what happened because of Christ, what happened before Christ, what's to happen afterwards. So he's looking at this whole thing. So when we're reading through Romans, and we're going to see this as we start going through, is what Paul's doing is he is addressing something that was the case before Christ. And what was the case before Christ is what he means when he says, first to the Jew. He's addressing what the Jews believed about this God. And then he's he's going to be talking about how that now comes to all the Gentiles. And so a lot of what we're reading in Romans is Paul making arguments to talk about this is the way things were for the Jews, but now <laughs> that Christ has come, this is the way things are now in Christ. And so part of the reason, if not one of the major reasons I want to start in Romans 8, is because we are starting now. <laughs> okay? We're re- in Romans 8, we are addressing who we are in Christ now. Okay? And we're going to be going then back and looking at what brought us to that point, what brought humanity to that point, where we today in this room can all say, you know, we are... We're in Christ. What does that mean? Um, so, one of the questions that is Paul is sort of in the background answering, I'll ask you is, if someone comes up to you, you saw me in my email, but if someone was to come up to you and ask you, what is a Christian? What is a Christian? Someone... I'm curious how you would answer that in one sentence. Believer, more than believer one sentence. of Christ. You what? A believer of Christ. Okay, a believer of Christ. Great. Okay. Follower. A follower. Mm-hmm. Follower. Follow, believer of Christ. Follower of Christ. This is not a trick question, by the way. I'm just interested in just seeing what, how we would typically answer that question. Tom, what's the author of that? Daily reader book. He would say somebody that's obedient to Christ. Okay. Which that would sort of go with Romans run, one where he talks about the um, the obedience of faith. Okay. Alright, others. It's a relationship. You got it. You get a sentence. So there's a lot of relationships. So, what is a Christian? How do you answer that to someone? It's a relationship with your Creator. Okay, it's a relationship with your Creator. All right. Keep going. Come on, guys. <laughs> Some would say born again. All right, born again. That would be a little. Uh, Obscure to someone who just came along and said, "What is a Christian?" Right, yeah, but that's okay. Believer asking, in Christ, yeah. Believer yeah. in Christ, okay. Believer in Christ, yeah. 
an abider with the Jewish Messiah promised in the scriptures. Okay, getting a little history there. That's good. All right. So you're sort of identifying who that is that you believe in. The scriptures written by the Jews mm-hmm. as well. Okay. According to Google, any anyone, <laughs> man, woman, or child who trusts in Jesus Christ mm-hmm. as his or her Savior and Lord, he strives to follow him in every area of life. Very interesting. Okay. Google still using man and woman? <laughs> <laughs> Not the Illinois version, but the California version. <laughs> <laughs> what do they say? What do they say, Shaka? You know, I'm, I'm just plagiarizing here. A Christian is one who believes in their heart that Jesus is Lord and will confess with their mouth that God raised him from the dead. That's okay. All right. I should have expected you to answer that. <laughs> one of your favorite passages. Can't wait till we get to that. How about, um, just because it's riddled here, um, Someone who has God's Spirit. Okay, That's someone who has the Spirit God's of God or the Spirit of Jesus Christ in them. All right, someone who has the Spirit of God in them. The child of the King. Child of the King. Right. Anybody else? How do you think Paul would answer that question? Well, <laughs> that was Paul. Yeah, that was Paul. Maybe from eight, you're asking, or did he say it in eight? Well, not even necessarily in eight. No, I'm not even saying he said it in eight. He, he said he said it in some of his other letters and stuff too. He said everything that everyone said in eight. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> uh huh. He would say he was a bond servant for Christ. Mm-hmm. All right. Slave of Christ, son of God. Pete, you're thinking over there? Yeah. A lot of good answers. Yeah, a lot of good answers. Would you like to... It depends depends who's asking. (laughs) Heirs of God, co-heirs with Christ. All right. Do you have any thoughts as to... Yeah, I had a thought, but you interrupted it. <laughs> I interrupted it? Yeah, it was, um, <coughs> yeah, I was thinking through one of the passages, but then I, I took that cut off. But yeah, but people have good answers. Did I interrupt you like you forgot what you were going to say? Well, yeah, I mean, I was like imagining the verse, hmm. and then um, I kind of lost it. Okay. Yeah, but I was, you, I was thinking you caught me. All right. Okay. Here's another one from, uh-huh. from what we what Gil read. It's uh, verse five. Those who live according to the Spirit and have their minds set on the things of the Spirit. All right. Yeah. All right. Anyone else? Jason. I mostly don't call Jim. By the way, I won't call on you. But <laughs> and all you already answer your answer, but. Some, some some of them I do, so <laughs> don't worry about me. I'm trying to call on you. The, um, I, 
I'm not saying anything because my answer would take a little longer. But no, you only get one sentence. One, <laughs> one sentence. Yeah. Well, um, of this, the thing that really hit me strongly last week and, and since then is that what Tom just said, the mindset. And really looking at mindset. How do you set your mind? He defines what it is. You, you aren't a, a Christian if you do not have your mind set in the way of the Spirit. Okay. And the, the mindset of the Spirit is life and peace. Okay. Good, you're done. Okay. One second. <laughs> <laughs> there's a part A and B on that, and you're hitting part B, but part A is those who live according to the Spirit. Part B is have their mindset on things in the spirit. If you said that to somebody who's kind of a new ager, they wouldn't they wouldn't get it because the spirit means something different to them. Well, you'd have to, I, I, you'd have to expound yeah, and again, on and I'm not trying to what say the spirit is. Yeah, I'm not trying to say any of these answers. This is what you would say to someone necessarily on the street when they say, "What's a Christian like?" This would be your only. Because you obviously have to explain. You'd obviously these days have to explain when you say Jesus. You know who? Who, <laughs> who is that? It's a guy that paints your yeah. house. So that's good, Gil. Yeah, <laughs> Eric, you were uh, three words kept popping up when I was reading today, and that's uh, redeemed, justified, and sanctified. And that kind of talks about the process. Mm -hmm. and, and I think it's really important to appreciate the forgiveness that redeems us and enters into the possibility of more than one sentence. Sorry. <laughs> All right. All right. Yeah, I'm not me. sure if anybody said it, but um, being in Christ... Paul talks about mm. being in Christ, being found in Christ. All right. Uh, so good. Yeah, good. It's interesting. We can't justify ourselves, Eric. No. We're justified by him. That's the point. <laughs> well, uh, I think probably many people and probably many, many Christians believe they can justify their existence by the works that they do. But there's nothing. Nothing. And here it makes, he makes it clear that it's predestined. But there's also a whole lot of ifs. <clears throat> Say one. Okay. You, you read a bunch of them. If indeed we suffer with him. If we hope. There's ifs everywhere through here. Uh -huh. that, are, that are conditional. And I, I think faith to faith means the faith of God and our faith. Those two things combined are what are going to get us, is, is what is going to define us at the end of the day. God has hope in us that we will, even though it's predestined, we still have the, the if. We still have the choice. That's, that's what's so far out about this. Yeah, I, I get that. Hey, Greg, in the beginning of Romans, would you explain to me, please, um, it may be a metaphor, but... Uh, they talk about the law of the spirit and the law of sin and death. Yeah, okay. So, the law of the spirit and the law of sin and death. Yeah. Are, are those kind of metaphors for different ways of thinking or ways of living? How, how okay. can you have a law 
Well, yeah. So how do you interpret the word law? Okay, so perfect segue. <laughs> oh. You just gave the perfect segue, which goes now to sort of David's question, in a sense, that hopefully we're going to answer some. Well, I mean, so, uh -huh. I've been listening to all the comments right yeah. here. And if somebody on the street walks up to me and say, are you a Christian? And I'm going to say, yeah. Well, tell me what a Christian is. You know, I would be confused if I heard a bunch of these answers. Uh-huh. You know? It literally does truly depend on who's asking. That's true. Right. right? And so, <laughs> we're talking in this room because we're all Christians, and we're right. kind of understanding that, but if somebody walks off the street, and... Uh, well, a believer and follower they're not, they're is, not a believer is right and they're here. Not, they're asking a question. Yeah. I, I and so that's why my question... I'm simple. Right. So my question, I'm not asking the question to say, how would you... You know, necessarily, how would you answer that just directly to someone on the street? I'm asking you, what, how would you define what a Christian is? Part of the, regardless yeah. of whether they get it or not. Yeah, we're not really yeah. so much, I'm not so much concerned right now about other people getting that, but I'm, but more in the sense of when you think of what is a Christian, how would you answer that question? Greg's asking yeah. if we've learned anything in the last few years. After last week, I really was questioning that about myself. Yeah. Yeah. Greg, I think a, uh -huh. a big issue of what we're trying to do right now is when somebody asks you who you are, most of us <laughs> give an answer of what we've done. So it's a, it's, it's really difficult to, for me to divide those two. Yeah. Um, that's been your theme. It has been his it, theme. That's it how is. we started out the Gospel of John. Yeah. It's, it's. Thanks for sharing. It. I I was asked that question three years ago, and I've written close to a hundred pages before I could get to the point where I actually started seeing who I am rather than what I've done. It's, I find it really difficult. Well, and I think a lot of the stuff that we're going to be talking about with, in Romans, we're going to hit on that issue because we do, uh, we talked about it in John, but we're going to hit it more, more directly in Romans because we want to continue to live based on what we do. Yes. So. <laughs> it's not what you did, it's how you did it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. All right, so what I want to do is I want to sort of address, really, both David asked about chapter 7 and 8, but, but um, Eric just asked a question which is key for us to really understand what's even going on in 8. And just remember the way we got from 8 to 7 Okay, so we just started, Jim, just so you know, like three weeks ago. So, first week we went through just Romans 1, 1 through 16. Then we jumped to Romans 8 last week. And we actually started with one word in Romans 8, which was how Romans 8 starts, which is therefore. And as everybody was very wise in here, um, it means there's something before this that we need to know before we hit Chapter 8, okay, before we can answer, like, your question, we need to understand what has happened before, all right? And so what we were looking at last week, and I'd like to just go through it, because it's going to answer 
it's going to, for us to be able to understand chapter 8, we have to dive a little bit more into chapter 7, okay? And we started that a little bit last week. So I want you to turn to chapter 7, and I'm going to just read through some of this. And so ask me questions as I go through. I'll see, see how we do here. So, first of all, and we're going to find this out in the next few weeks, is chapter... Seven, the chapter breaks are not always, again, remember chapter breaks were never, they're not inspired. <laughs> chapter breaks were not in the original Bible. Verses were not in the original Bible. So people were not thinking chapter breaks. They're just reading this thing all the way through. Do they have a period? They didn't even really have periods. No, in Greek, people know when the end of a sentence is, generally, um, but it's more by looking at the subject and the verb and the object and the verbs and how those things work to figure out a sentence, but not, they don't have a punctuation, they don't have a punctuation like a period. Those okay. are the Greeks? Hmm? The Greeks? Yeah, that? yeah, for the Greek language, right. Okay, so it's just like if you look at a Greek, it just you just read all the way through, I think. If you were going to say something, what you were looking at. <laughs> okay, so... It's all Greek to me. Yeah, it's all Greek to you. So really... Where I want to start is chapter 7, verse 5, because we're going to find out that really chapter 6 ends at verse 4, all right? But, so really a new thought of Paul starts taking place at verse 5, all right? And when we look at this, Paul is going to set right up to start answering your question, Eric. He is going to make a contrast in fact, I will sort of state it right here, that he's going to make a contrast between someone who is a Christian and someone who's not. I'm putting that in my language right now, because I asked you that question. He's going to talk about what it meant before Christ, and those who were still in that Jews, for Jews who were in that, um, under the law. And he's going to then start talking about what does it mean to be in Christ, all right, to be a Christian. So I'm, I'm making that distinction. So if you take a look at verse 5, if you listen to this description, for when we were in the flesh, the sinful <coughs> passions aroused through the law were working in us to bear fruit for death. That is a really strong summary mm-hmm. sentence that mm-hmm. has a lot of stuff in it, all right. Paul is calling out in verse 5, this is what life was like before Christ. So, does this say that the law actually contributed to the sinfulness? Very good. Okay, so you're asking the right questions. So, and I'm going to make some distinctions here, because mostly in chapter 7, when Paul uses the word law, which is Torah, he mostly is referring, almost always in chapter 7, referring to... Torah, which is what the Jews, the law given by Moses to the Jews, and it captures really the first five books of the Bible, all right? And so this is the law that the Jews followed, all right? So that's mostly what law means, but you're going to see as you picked up, the law starts getting a little bit fuzzy (laughs) as as Paul starts talking about, but we'll, we'll get there. So notice what the problem is. Paul's stating actually a problem. And notice he's putting in the past tense. So he's not saying, this is who I am now. He's saying, this is who I was. This is who you were before, if you're in Christ now. For when we were in the flesh, 
the sinful passions aroused through the law were working in us to bear fruit for death. Now, what Paul is going to be doing, trying to do here, just so you know the argument, is he is going to try to show that the law was not bad. Because one of the arguments was, the law must be bad. Not even Christians sometimes today, but think the Old Testament law is bad. Paul is making an argument, the law is not bad. All right. But, the law could not do <laughs> what it was, maybe some people thought it was supposed to do. So what was the law supposed to do, do you think, based on that sentence? Bring awareness to sin. Hmm? Bring awareness to sin. Bring awareness to sin. Um, okay. Based on this sentence? Yeah, just on that sentence. Oh, okay. What was the law? Well, it, I'm not saying it actually says it directly, but in reading here, why? what was the law? What would you think the law was supposed to do? It was a curse. But, okay, that's what maybe ended up being, but what was it supposed to be? What was it supposed to do? Guidelines for... Yeah, for, yeah it was supposed to be right. a guideline for how to live. Good. Mm-hmm. And if you live according to the law, then that you should have a... What kind of life? Good a good, good life. Blessed yeah. life. Yeah. yeah. A what? A blessed life. A blessed life. life. Exactly. The and law was illuminating. It, it gave us the ability to understand. It's, it, it's, a, it's an allergy. Yeah. Yeah. <clears throat> but notice what it says here, for when we were in the, and there's a lot of words here that we have to sort of define because we're going to hit these in Romans 8. I agree the law is the commandments. The law, so here the law is the word Torah, which is what Paul is referring to as the first five books of the Old Testament, specifically the law given by Moses as to how Jews are supposed to live, okay? That God gave. Now, this is important. Who gave this law? God gave this law. So right there, to say the law is bad, you know, no, the law is good. And he's going to say that. But I want you to notice what's happening. There's a problem. The problem is stated in verse 5 because this law that was supposed to in some ways, people thought we're supposed to bring life. It's bringing instead death. death. Okay, and why is it bringing death? So why did the law not work? Just going by this sentence. Well, sin, why? And sin because sin of disobedience. What? Because of who we are. <laughs> because of who we are. We and were. You were. just said that. Okay. Sin. Yeah. So notice that it says here. Um, for when we were in the flesh, the sinful passions aroused through the law were working to bring it, to bring death. So the law is not bad, but the sin in us was working against that law, all right, to rather bring us death, not life. Right? And notice how it says, when we were in the flesh. Anybody want to guess what that means? Well, it, 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 it's utterly separate from the uh, from the spirit, and oh, okay. And, and I, I didn't you say in the last um, couple weeks that uh, the flesh does not refer to? I probably got out here on a limb. Um, you want to crawl back? 
I need you. Uh, would you come on out and help me? I'm out here. So, so just if we're living in the flesh, we're yeah. living in the world. Right. So right. here, flesh. Just so you know, and this, the word flesh is actually used by Paul to mean some different things. Sometimes it just means the body. It's not a negative thing. He actually talks about how Jesus came in the flesh. All right. So sometimes flesh is not a negative sense. Here, he's going to use it in the negative way. Flesh is that part, that whole thing of us that is sort of anti-God, that is separate from God, that wants to live without God, all right, that has no desire to do the things of God, all right, so the flesh is, you, in some ways I want to say it's like the absence of God, is how we live without God, all right, is a, is a way to think about the flesh, all right. Uh-huh. Can I, can I yes. ask something here? Yes, uh-huh. I'm confused. Um, yeah. For when we're in the flesh, so let's say that's a, a, an unbeliever, uh-huh. Sinful passions were aroused through the law. So that means this sinful person is exposed to the law of God. That's right. So where, how'd that happen? I mean, he's talking about the Jews initially. Yeah. So, okay, so this is, an un, this is a Jew who's living in the flesh, and he's aware of the law. Right. Okay, so now that law yes. is saying, do not commit adultery, and he's going, oh, I never thought of that. Uh-huh. I think I'll commit adultery. Is that what it's saying? Exactly. That is exactly. Yes. You just nailed it. And yeah. Paul's but that's ridiculous. The guy's <laughs> thinking about adultery without yeah. Yeah. No, no, but, but adultery was no big deal. It was just what you did. You know, I'm, I'm feeling a little horny. I think I'm going to go out and get the donkey. <laughs> It's like, I mean, literally, it's with the Old Testament. Don't sleep with the donkey. Don't sleep with any of your hand farm animals or your mom or your sister or your brother's sister or, or uncle or whatever. And you're like, what? These guys, like, had no concept. Is there were no laws. So it was like, but before it wasn't even sinning, a bad thing. They were sinning. They were, <clears throat> they were, they, but they didn't right. know it was sin. So, the, so you're bringing, and Paul's going to actually really just take what you just said. He's going to talk about it in just a second, mm-hmm. which is how that law had, he's going to give an example. Which is by the very fact that the law comes about, it now starts to expose us that that sinful nature of on us wants to do, not do the law. It wants to do something different. Okay, so the law arouses, in a sense, sin, <laughs> and that's the problem. Okay, it, okay, so it, it makes us aware of it. I'm sorry. Yeah. So it turns them into rebels. Before well, they knew the law, they were not a rebel because. They didn't know the law. Ignorance is blessed. Okay, so that yeah. that kind of has some punch. Well, it, it does, right? Or, or think about Adam and Eve. Right? Yeah, they, willingly, they willingly became rebels once they knew the law and they broke it. Okay, so perfect. You were going right where I was going to go. So go ahead with Adam and Eve because yes. this is this is good to think Adam and Eve here because Paul's actually thinking Adam and Eve in part here, not not just Jews. So, so hit it with Adam and Eve. So the law to Adam and Eve. The law to Adam and Eve from God was, thou shalt not eat from the tree in the midst of the, of the garden, you know, which was the knowledge of good and evil. Thou shalt not eat from it, right? For the day in which you eat of it, you shall surely die. Which death is the consequence of sin, which is what we're talking about. So the law to Adam and Eve was simply that thing. But before that, if there was a tree in the midst of the garden... They weren't necessarily thinking like, oh, I want to go eat from that tree. There's trees everywhere, right? And um, and if they did eat from it, it wouldn't have been sin. Well, yeah, yeah, because, God because God hadn't prohibited God it. And, and, right. and, 
Um, so there was a loss. So yeah, the old trade was the opposite. Before the right. And it's not necessarily that that all sin is arbitrary like that. And, made, and perhaps that's not arbitrary. And, and there's things that were constructed at certain times and in certain places, but they wouldn't have necessarily got, made a beeline for the tree, like kind of like it seems like they did. Kind of wet paint. <laughs> yeah, yeah, like don't, like no fishing here, right? right? No fishing, but, but no fishing sign. <laughs> um, but, and you kind of re- remember just going back to what you said about adultery. But when Adam and Eve, you just have Adam and Eve, and before the commandments given, um, you you don't have sin yet. So sin is not yeah. in the world. Sin is not a power. Sin is not something that's hit the human race. So at this point. You're just in fellowship with God, Where was and there sin? is none of that. Sin was here. There was no sin. Sin did not exist. Sin was before the original sin. Was sin. Satan, yeah. Satan, but and, Satan was uh, a, Satan yeah. was evil, right? I would call that evil. Okay, but and, he had sin. Yeah, so yeah, but not the human race. Not human. Okay. So, so Pastor, look, look. Pastor Greg, the I just happened to geek out on the word um, in the Greek, and it does say. Uh, sarks. sarks. He's talking about the sarks, sarks which yeah. is the, the Greek word for the, Yeah, sarks. The sinful state of the human beings often presented as a power in opposition to the spirit. Yes, very good. Yeah. Mm. Uh, and we're going to get to that. Yeah, yes, yeah, yeah. exactly. Okay. Uh, yes, sir. Can you say that the people were disorganized and they asked for the law to bring structure? People did not ask for the law. Yeah. M- Just Moses, so you know, Moses. I thought they asked for it because. No. And they went to judges to, to, you know, kind of start to get things organized, and we need judges to do this. The and judges that. was after and, the law. Right, right, exactly. The, the judges was after the law. law. Yeah, so, yeah. The, so the, they, they, um, they, did not, they did ask for a king. Yeah. That's why they got Saul. But they, they did not ask for the law. God says, here's my people. And one of the things that we get confused is we think, oh, the Jews, that the law, they... They had to follow law for salvation. They, the Jews do not believe that. Jews have never believed that the law saved you. In fact, if you look at the history of biblical history, what ends up happening? God saves them, which is the Exodus, and then he delivers the law. Okay, so law was never designed to save. The law was, hopefully, to bring life to people. Okay, um, so... Can, All right. Can you give us some sort of chronology as to when the law came? <clears throat> yeah, with Moses. So, so no, that's good. So the Jews, you had Abraham. Okay, the lot famine happens. He's his whole family's growing because he's blessed by God that he's going to create this nation. Guys, get me wrong here. Associated with that? Pardon me. This is after the flood. Yes, after the flood. Is there a date associated with that? Like after they BC. after they get across it's the, like the, 2000, the yeah, yeah, like 2000 BC, yeah, yeah, like 2000. yeah. Okay. so 2000 BC. So, so the, and this is good for all of us. Just to, so Abraham, um, so God, the, the big promise is given to Abraham. Okay, and if we all remember, which we find out, and Paul's going to argue, is that Abraham, he the law had not been given yet. Mm-hmm. Abraham believed God by faith. Before a law was given, that's going to be part of Paul's arguments. Arguments as we go along. So, Abraham is given the promise by God: you will, you will create a nation through your seed, and that nation is to bless the entire world. Okay, I'm going to paraphrase. 
That was given to Abraham. That was the original plan God had to save the world from its sin. All right? Um, that had happened with Adam and Eve. So Abraham starts to, you know, Sarah, they start to procreate. Um, then there's a famine. And you guys, if I get this wrong, someone correct me. Then there's a famine, and they go down to Egypt. All right? Because there's a famine in the land of Israel. So they go down to Egypt, and... Things are going good in Egypt until the Egyptians go, wow, these guys aren't us, they're Jews, we need a lot of labor, let's make them our slaves. Well, no, no, no. Joseph created slavery. Joseph's the godfather of slavery. He negotiated the deal for slavery. Pharaoh owned all the people of Egypt, inclusive of the Jews. But the next guy didn't. He wasn't into the Jews, so they were already slaves. Yeah, so at that point they were slaves. Yeah, by the time of Joseph they were already slaves. No, Joseph made them slaves. That was the deal. In the famine, the last stage of the famine, they said, hey, we've given you everything else, we got nothing else. And he said, okay, let's negotiate a deal here. I'm going to write this up. Every one of you are going to be owned by Pharaoh. It was incredible. In return for food, isn't that right? Yeah, in return yeah. for food. But it's just so far out how God does these this that this pattern. It's incredible. Yeah. So they just Took moving the along. So we end so we end up they're slaves in Egypt, they become slaves in Egypt. And then Moses I mean then God I do a really paraphrase here, then God chooses Moses to say, I want to save my people because they're slaves in Egypt. And so Moses goes and delivers that message to Pharaoh. You have the ten plagues. You have the last one where um, where Moses tells the people you have to put blood of the lamb on your doorpost because tonight we're going to pass over. The angels going to pass over, and all those without the mark on their doorpost, the firstborn is going to die, which finally convinces Pharaoh to let my people go. Pharaoh lets his people go. Until the commercial break, <laughs> because Pharaoh lets the people go, all of all of thousands of Israel, you know, Jews start leaving. They get to the Red Sea. Pharaoh goes back on his promise and starts to come after the people. God parts the Red Sea. They go through the Red Sea. They go into the Promised Land, um, and then in the, and then three days later, they are grumbling already because they want to go back and be slave, become slaves. All right. So then. So then, now we're getting, then we go through things, now we're going to get where Moses is going to, I mean, Moses is going to go up on Mount Sinai, and God's going to give Moses the law. Here's these people, here's my people, here's how I want them to live. I want them to be set apart from all other peoples in the entire earth, and I want them to follow me, so they can become that blessing for all the other nations in the earth. That's the plan. between Abraham and Moses going to Sinai. How's what? How many years between when Abraham got the law? About like, yes. 400. 400? Yeah. Okay. yeah. Because it was 400 years of slavery. Well, I mean, it was Abraham, Isaac, Jacob. So those three generations, and then their kids, and then 400 years. Yeah, like four, four, 450 years. Okay, so that's when <laughs> Moses gives the law. Okay. All right, this is how these people are to be set apart and how they are to live. And that's, in essence, starts the whole history of the Jews with the law. When were the five books written? 
Yes. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And that, and we, and this is why Paul mm-hmm. will address, we're going to go through Romans, we're going to review now. As we go through Romans, Paul is going to be calling back to these different events, like the exit, calling back to Abraham, calling back to Adam. He's going to be going back to biblical history like we just did to talk about these different things. But in that sense, what Paul's addressing right now is that the law did not work, right? That something has happened, and the law never could save the people. The law law was really never designed to actually get rid of sin. I shouldn't say save the people, get rid of sin. But that's what the law is doing now is this exposing sin. If you take a look at the whole history of the Old Testament, you just, as we went through Isaiah, you just find out that the people sin and sin more. I mean, the people start sinning right when they get the Ten Commandments. Well, they're I waiting mean, for Moses to come down and, and, and them from the mountain. They just decide to idol worship. And they're already, they're already sinning. So you, so you see this idea of sin as a power that is making it so the law cannot be fulfilled. So you have this war that's going up between sin and the law and our flesh, and it's not working, is a simple way of putting that. All right. For the law exposes sin. That's right. So, And that's what exactly what it does. And Paul's going to talk about that here in a minute. Is, that's the point. Is The law is not bad, but it exposes the fact that sin is not being dealt with. Okay. There's the power of sin and the power of the flesh that is not being dealt with, and that's what Paul's going to address for us. Okay, everyone's so far so good. Mm-hmm. And what backs that all up is that that was Moses talked about it and Isaiah talked about it. And the fact that it, this was going to happen, right? And yeah. that ultimately teeing up Jesus. Okay, so we are in verse 5. So let's zip through here. That's in the long verse 5. Yeah, but this is good because, again, everything we're going to be going through with Romans is going to be touching on a lot of the things we're, we're going to be talking about right now. So I want you to skip verse 6, because verse 6 is what's going to be now dealt with in chapter 8. So I want you to hold on to that. Let's not do verse 6 yet. Because now, in verse 7, Paul is going to describe more of what he has said in 5. So you can look at verse 5 as being the description of what Paul is going to now explain in the rest of verse 7. So notice what it says in verse 7. What should I, we say then? Is the law sin? This is the big question Paul wants to make sure the Jews and the Gentiles, us, understand that the law is not sin. Alright? So Paul says, absolutely not. But I would not have known sin. See, here it goes again, Tom. Okay. But I would not have known sin if it were not for the law. Okay? So until someone says you can't do this, which then sort of initiates sin going, oh, you bet I can. <laughs> right? and so the, the, the initial really going. sin is, the initial sin is disobedience. It is, absolutely. Um, and, and we have, a, as a, a, a part of our inheritance, a rebellious spirit. Right, right. With that rebellious spirit is the flesh, okay, when Paul used the word flesh, that would include what you would call the rebellious spirit, okay? So notice what happens here. So he then says, for example, and this could the example that like Tom just said, he's going to give an example of how the law um, incites sin, I guess you could say. For example, I would not have known what it is to covet 
if the law had not said, do not covet. Okay? Just like Tom said, adultery or whatever. I would not know what adultery is unless the law said, you cannot do that. Come on, no, what I want to do is covet. And then it says in verse 8, so what ends up happening? The law comes, says, do not covet, and verse 8 says, and sin... Seizing the, listen, I love the mm-hmm. words here. Mm-hmm. This is what sin does. It seizes the opportunity of say, aha, the law just said I can't do this, so I'm going to do it. So, and sin, seizing an opportunity, and this is where we talk about sin is not just individual sins, but it's like this power mm-hmm. of original sin that happened back to Adam, this power that is going to, Disobey the law. Turn away from God, in essence. All right? So, it says, through the commandment, produced in me, coveting. So, notice how the law says, do not covet. Sin seizes the opportunity to actually make me covet. (laughs) You see how the power of the law here? Of every kind. Yeah. Then, for apart from the law... Sin is dead. This is what, sort of what we talked about before. There's, in a sense, no sin without the law. In a sense. Okay, but Pete addressed that. Once I was alive... Now, what Paul's probably referring to in verse 9 something is once I was alive apart from the law. When were you alive? Well, if you think of Adam and Eve, Adam and Eve were alive. Death, there was no death. Before God gave them the commandment, do not eat of this one tree out of all these trees of this whole garden, this whole huge place. This one tree, before they were given that, no sin existed, and in that in that sense, they had life. Life eternal, probably. Okay? So, before sin happened, we had life. Okay? Full life. Alright? So he says, once I was alive... Apart from the law, but when the commandment came, sin sprang to life again, and I died. Pete explained that really well, all right? Because what ended up happening is death came into the human race because of the sin of Adam and Eve. For sin, listen to verse 11 again, for, well, for the commandment, sorry, I died. The commandment that was meant for life resulted in death. So now you see that the law cannot bring life. Now, I'm using the word law here to talk about the Torah. But I'm going to challenge all of us, just a little commercial thing here, is this is the problem with law, period. (laughs) Law does not bring life. Okay, We cannot find life by following a bunch of laws. And we are humans who tend to want to still give ourselves laws, and give others laws, and think law brings life. Okay, and Paul's saying, no, law does not bring life. So it says, the commandment that was meant for life resulted in death for me. For sin, listen to what sin does again, seizing an opportunity through the commandment deceived me, and through it killed me. So then, okay, so... Okay, Eric, you want to ask a question there? In a way, this was the first awakening that people have a sin nature. Well, they didn't have the sin nature before they sinned. 
No, but, but the law <laughs> brought an awareness of the sin, of nature. sin nature, Absolutely. and that's where the, the battle starts, was right. that awareness, which was brought by the law. Yes, yeah. Okay, all right. But, but just, just uh -huh. what you said, free, free law, eternal life, law came in, sin of death. Yeah. You know what you're saying? Uh-huh. Okay. And, yeah, but the certain... Like, back to Adam and Eve, though, Yes. Because there was a law at that point, and, and that, that well, was it. And 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 we, we, we talk about, at the very beginning, it was talking about the law of sin and death, and sin goes directly with death. Yes. Right? Sin and death. If you sin, you know... You die. You sin, you shall <laughs> die. Those two things go together, so... We talk about the law of gravity or the law yeah. of, you know, yeah. before yeah. the law, you didn't know what sin was. Well, so it's not like, yeah, I mean, so it's it's going to to then, even though we're talking about the law as in like the Ten Commandments and Moses, <coughs> and there was people for two thousand years, and then the flood and all this other stuff. But free law, free Adam and Eve. It's a surprise to me that everybody got eternal life. I never thought about well, that. Adam and Eve did. Adam well, and Eve would have. Yeah, yeah they would have if they did not sin. They would be the first people. Yes. 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 Okay. So they rep they are the first human okay. beings that when sin actually came to an original sin happened. Can, okay. Can we consider the laws of nature God's laws? No, not in this sense. No. Okay. Okay. So not in this sense. Okay, we'll get to talking about the laws of nature a little bit when we get further down Romans about creation, but not really in this case. Okay. What, but, but like, go step off the cliff, you're going to fall and die. Yeah, but that's not, yeah, correct. <laughs> that brings that. Really? Yes. <laughs> so, okay. Gravity. Yeah. That's gravity. But Paul's not, in, Paul's not yeah. addressing that here, I guess is what I want to say. True. But, really but since God has got an order, those consistent things are always consistent. Yeah. Put my hand in fire, it's not. Yeah. Right. right. Well, 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 unless you're, you know, the yeah. three dudes. It's with it's the tree. tree. The tree. Yes. Uh huh. Tree, what? The tree is a symbol. The tree is a you tree. Know, don't eat fruit from that tree. That's a symbol. What were they really doing? What was the sin that they really committed? Pride. Dis no, they, well, pride, but they just, they disobedience. 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 And we can go back to that. But, and what mostly Paul's doing here is dealing now with the Mosaic law, the law given by Moses. Okay. So that's mostly what this law means here. Okay. All right. So let's keep on going. So, mostly we don't do this much teaching like this verse by verse, but it's just good for us to get all these words down. So then, so notice what Paul says. This is interesting here. Because people are going to want to say, well, then the law is bad. All right? But then Paul comes back and says, no. It's not that the law is bad. The law is actually holy. The commandment is holy and just and good. Therefore, did what is good become death to me? Absolutely not. So Paul's saying again, the law is not responsible for my death. God's law was good. It don't blame the law <laughs> for the death and for sin. Okay? He says absolutely not. But sin, it is sin that is the issue. But sin, in order to be recognized as sin, I love how it does. Sin is like, hello, I'm sin. <laughs> okay? So sin, 
in order to be recognized as sin, was producing death in me through what is good, so that through the commandments, sin might become sinful beyond measure. So now you have this idea that sin, the law says don't do this, sin, sin, sin says go for it, and it just becomes greater and greater. And if you look at the history of Israel, okay, in the Old Testament, it is this being lived out. Things got worse, had the law, and it just kept getting worse and worse and worse and worse, okay? Until finally God literally left the Jews, left Israel. Says, my presence is gone. I'm not here anymore. I'm not going to be your people. Well, I'm saying this in quotes. I'm not going to be your people anymore. I'm out of here. <laughs> he leaves the temple, and for 400 years at least, God's presence is not among Israel anymore because the sin had gotten so bad that God finally said, Enough. Enough. Okay? But he wasn't pissed because he knew in advance that this all would Which he did. Exactly. Okay? But wasn't that's that, that's the, 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 the crux of that is is such a deep question. <laughs> Either that or ridiculous. Yeah. In, Go ahead, Bruce. In verse fourteen, explain the law is spiritual. Yeah, so here we go. Well, that's where we're right next. Okay. okay. So uh, I yes, thought, Caleb. So I, I thought sin was just like a you know an outcome. Like that's, that's, I mean, so that's a gr- really good note. Very good, Caleb. Sin, especially how Paul is talking about here, is sin is not just sins, like I commit a sin. All right, Sin, the way Paul talks about it, notice it's not plural. He's talking about it as an actual power. It's like evil. Okay, like Evil is a power. Okay? There's a lot of talk about sin nature. Yeah, right. The nature, sin nature versus particular sins. Right, right. Okay. So it's it's this in in a sense it's this independent almost power that exists within humans because of the original fall. So it's like your thought of like committing that sin. It's it's is it what? It's It's like your thought. It's more than your thought is. Think of it as think of it as um, it's like a cancer. Think of it like cancer. Cancer just starts you know, growing inside of you, and it takes over your whole body. Sin is like a power that just, it, um, it's like a disease that sort of overcomes us and makes us so even though we want to do good, we can't. All right? It's like a controlling, it is the controlling power that makes us so humanity can never have a relationship with God. All right? And why they are so screwed up. (laughs) Humanity is so screwed up with each other. Is all because of sin, I mean, and that's the, in fourteen through. Yeah. The, all the, the you know, why is something wrong so seductive? Right, that's that's that tangible power, that force, that thing that says you know, like yeah, don't, don't, do not enter. When I see a sign that says I can't go there, the first thing I want to do is go. Yeah. Right, and so on. Why well, don't you know I'm laughing class? Really? I always thought that was like spirit, like, you know, demonic stuff. Like, Well, well it, it is. It's not, it can, it's not, it's it not just be. Adam and Eve. It's yeah. also the evil spirit that has been left here after the flood. Yeah. So, okay. the, so the, as we the go world, on. The flesh yes. and the devil. Like yes, the world exactly. System, the flesh, sarks, like, and then and the devil. Yeah, because I always thought, like, because when you said, like, since eating alive, I mean, I felt that before. Uh-huh. And, like, I always just thought it was, like, you know, spiritual battle going on. It can't be that. 
and it also can be can be both both well, we're going to talk about what happened through Christ mm-hmm. with sin okay mm-hmm. um, why we can why we are no longer condemned by sin but we're going to get to that all right so, so hang in there slaves okay. to sin yes which is slavery to sin you guys are getting help which is exactly where we're at so I have a burning question <laughs> so Adam and Eve it, were they created with no sin nature? Yes. But it's when they yes. sinned that created the sin nature exactly. in man. Exactly. <laughs> we okay, so so they they sinned. There was a judgment by God on that sin because they had disobeyed God. And that judgment is what, that judgment and that sin nature is what things, you know, can we talk about sin nature for a second? Because there's something about that terminology and the way I think that I, yeah, I perceive that and other people Paul perceive that. that. Yeah, yeah it's, it's sin, the word, the term sin nature, I don't think is accurate. Because that, 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 to my mind, begets this idea that that, that it is our nature. Yeah, it when is. in fact it is not our nature. It is this foreign presence, like a cancer. Mm-hmm. It is a disease called sin that, the thing that blew my mind last week, was what Greg had said is that's just conditioned false reality, right? It's like, no, we, we are, and this is what Christ offers us. So, so that sin was allowed to be here on this earth. And to, just like the Holy Spirit is within us, that sin was allowed to be in us. But it's not our nature. And that's what is so yeah. fantastic. In fact, it's interesting, geez, I just the, the word sin nature was something that was actually put into some older translations of the Bible, trying to translate the word flesh or, the, or um, sarks. And it's been taken out because it really is not a sin nature. It's not a nature in the sense of sin nature. So think here it's more... unnatural. Yeah. So let me keep reading because it's going to answer more of our questions. I think. So notice this is in verse 14. For we know that the law is spiritual. Now, very quickly, um, that means it's it's... It actually means something of the spirit. It's it's good. Okay, I'm going to just put it that way instead of getting more into that. But I, Paul is saying here, and he's sort of speaking in the I form here, but, but I, he's referring to all of humanity before Christ. But I am of the flesh, and here we go, Caleb, this sort of answers your question even more. But I am of the flesh, which means apart from God, sold as a slave under sin. That is probably the best description of what sin does to us before Christ. We are, if we're not slaves to Christ, we are slaves to something else, and we are slaves to sin. That's how I can just say, you're either a slave to Christ, or you're a slave to sin. You can even say, what's someone to answer that? What's a Christian? Someone who's a slave to Christ. Bondservant. Right. Before Christ, before you put your faith in Christ... You are, every one of us, is a slave to sin. That's the best way to think of sin, is it controls you. It's your master. Okay? You might try to not have, try to do good, but it's your master that ultimately is going to make sure that you don't. So, to time what Jason said, sin is not our nature it's a corrupting power. It's a power. Think of it, yeah. I think that's, what, that's yeah. how Paul is using it's it. It also benefit. talks about being yeah. under something. Under something. Under sin. Yeah, which is like a slavery. Yeah. yeah. Or a bondage. So the sla- yeah, this, also we focus on the slave of, slavery of sin. We're yeah. a slave of sin. Yeah. 
it gives meaning and power to the word redemption because redemption applies to the slave market. Yes. I'm going to redeem that slave. I'm going to pay money and buy that slave. I've redeemed that slave. So Jesus redeemed us from the slavery market of sin. He bought us with his blood. That that is why it's so difficult to explain Christianity to an unbeliever. Because they don't believe they're in sin. What do I need to be redeemed from? Even the Jews said that to Jesus. But I think... Yeah, so on that, um, in this, Paul's writing, like... um, you know, it's, it's almost like he he can't resist, all right? There's a resistance that he would want to put forth that's just not there, right? right. There's no power there. Right. But what about those who, who run headlong after sin, right? They talked about, like, people they don't know, but, but if, like, the Bible talks about people whose feet are swift to shed blood and, like, you know, like, like people who... Really run headlong after evil, and like, yeah, that's evil. Like, that has to be evil. I think they really enjoy it. Paul's not talking to those people yet. They would have to recognize. Yeah, well, I think part of what Paul does here too is, I mean, he's going to deal with evil in other places, but evil and sin are very, very close. They're like real bedfellows. All right, sometimes you cannot really tell the difference between is it sin or is it the doubt. You know, is it if it is it sin or is it evil? Because sin. Can creates evil, all right. But they both, I think, work together. Satan has a force that is to get people to sin or to do evil. So they're, they're very mixed. Paul here is really just trying to focus on sin. Okay, so plus he and he's talking to a church. That's an interesting yeah. concept. Thanks for thanks for saying that because I don't necessarily usually try to distinguish between sin and evil. Yeah. So, okay. All right. So can I go with one verse here? Sure. Um, what you're talking about, Pete, and also what we are talking about earlier, there's sins and there's sin, and sin has a power, or it is a power. And a verse from Second Corinthians, Paul says, For he hath made him, Jesus, to be sin. Mm-hmm. Yikes. Yeah. For us, who knew no sin, that we might be made the righteousness of God in him. So... I can't get my mind around that. But it what that verse is saying is sin is huge. Right. And how God, huge and is God, it? And God above God above <laughs> took all the sin in the world. Yeah. But he didn't sin because he was God. That's, that's right. To me, that, yeah, yeah. That, that's yeah. me I mean, that is the horror of the cross. Yes. That, exactly. Yeah. That is the horror of the cross. Which we're gonna to get to because the whole problem is how we're gonna solve how we're gonna solve this problem. He made which, him which to be sin. Mm. Yeah, can you? I, I can't conceive of that. Yes. Well, what, think think about what that means, right? And again, what, what, what Greg hit on very briefly last week that's still melting my mind is exactly that: Christ became sin, which means that he became human. That's was the sin. Well, I mean, well, we're gonna we're gonna see. Actually, we're gonna get to that. We're gonna see. So then, the the question being now, now that Christ, yeah. What is sin, really? Is it, in fact, still the power that it was prior to Christ, now that Christ became sin? Or is it just this perception, this illusion that we buy into? I don't think it's... Yeah. Correct. I think it would be foolish it. to think of it as an illusion, because that, that, that is a way of justifying... Yeah. Well, it's not a well, justification. It still has an impact on you if you I, if you buy into I it. I think what Jason's saying that is that 
sin has uh, been blown up to be more powerful than it is after the crucifixion. Christ killed it. Yeah. Right. I mean, that's positionally true. Right. But the whole universe is still subjected to corruption. That's right. So, which Paul but we haven't. haven't, It's a great word. Yes, Savior. That's right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He's saving us from just what you said. The whole world's still covered with, but. There's a positional thing. It still affects us, though. But what is also far out is how the the weight on us becomes really apparent for all of creation that is under sin. What is it that all creation is waiting for? Redemption. Well, the the sons of God. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, you're getting way ahead. <laughs> Wait. Well, that means you're going too slow. I know. No, it is. It might we'll, be. we'll come back and this fifty thousand right. times. Before we, because I want to point out, we're talking about the condition before Christ. So it's important for us to just grasp this condition. We're jumping ahead, which we want to, because we want to jump to Christ. But I want to get to this before we get to Christ. This is the condition of humanity. Okay. Before Christ, which is also the condition of humanity, still <laughs> without Christ. All right, but this is the con- this is the condition of humanity that Paul's describing before Christ. We were hopeless. All right, so let me just keep reading. All right, so, so we get through this. So notice how he says, um, verse sixteen. Now, if I now he's describing, and I think all of us we talked about this last week. Take a look at our, you know. When, we became Christians and how we were before that and everything. I mean, Paul's doing a really good job of describing the way we've all been controlled by this sin. And he's putting into that first person where it really gives you that sense of, yeah, I totally can relate. So he says, now, if I do what I do not want to do, I agree with the law that it is good. So now I am no longer the one doing it. <laughs> That's what we want to say. It's not me doing it. Okay, mm-hmm. but sin living in me. So there's the truth a little bit to the fact that that power sin, Caleb, is so powerful that in one sense, you are totally responsible for your sins. In another sense, it's a power you cannot stop. Without Christ, you're hopeless with that, trying to deal with sin. For I know, verse 18, that nothing good lives in me, and that is in my flesh, which is a good definition of flesh, nothing good lives in you. For the desire to do what is good with me, but there is no ability to do it. For I do not do the good that I want to do, but I practice that. And there, now you see, there you go, Pete. Now he brings an evil. Okay, so evil is part of this whole problem with sin. But I practice the evil that I do not want to do. Now if I do what I do not want, I am no longer the one that does it. But it is sin that lives in me. See again? We want to think... That there's a way for us to solve sin <laughs> it is a power that we cannot conquer. We as humans do not have the ability to conquer the power of sin. So I discover this law. When I want to do what is good, evil is present in me. For in my inner self, I delight in God's law. So notice again, for the Jew particularly, like God's law is good. It is. I delight and I want to follow it. But... <laughs> And there's a big but. And Paul says, this law that, that God gave is so good. It's how we humans should live. If we all follow this law, we'd have peace. 
But then he says, but I see a different law. Now, here he's going to now change the meaning of law to not just Torah, but that there's this other force. And he says, but I see a different law in the parts of my body waging war against the law of my mind, which is really Torah there, and taking me prisoner to the law of sin. There again, notice the language. Prisoner. I'm a slave. And it's Sin has given its own sort of law. It's this thing that just controls all of humanity in parts of my body. What a wretched man I am. Who will rescue me from this body of death? In essence, Paul's last cry there, this is like the cry of ultimately every human being when they recognize sin in their life. They recognize they can't do anything to conquer it. They can't do anything to get rid of it. Who will rescue me from this body of death? That is the state of humanity. Okay. And that's when Paul <laughs> switches. Okay. And he says, so, so does everyone just good place there? It's like, this is the state. This is what things were before Christ. This is the way humanity is now. This is the way it was for the Jews. Without Christ... This is humanity. No ifs, ands, or buts. Okay? So, everyone there? Good? Mm -hmm. Did I answer your questions before about the sin, the law? Okay, alright. Is God's law in, in verse 22 the same law that's in 14? Law is spiritual? Yes, it is. Very good. Exactly. Okay. It is. All that is the Mosaic law that he's referring to there. Okay. Yes. I was going to say, Meatloaf sings about this. <laughs> Good girls go to heaven, the bad girls go everywhere. <laughs> okay. <laughs> and that, that puts it in perspective, you know. <laughs> hey, Eric, we make every, every one of these things we need to meet up That's, a, that's bad that. out of hell. That's bad out of hell. That's bad out of hell. I'll give you five bucks if you stand up in church and <laughs> God did not introduce sin to people. Well, he told them not to eat from the tree. They did it in disobedience of sin. That's right. So he did it because he because he knew it was going. He knew sin was going to be in the world. Yes, but he's not the one who brought sin into the world. But he gave people free will. He gets right, okay. and then he also but, gave them a choice. Right, right, because which is free will. He gave right. them free will. Free, 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 free will is the inability to use it properly. Right. So okay. he threw out a man, and it was just yes. created the first law. But he also created right. the snake. But he did create the, the messenger. Snake. You are right. He created. He did create the serpent. Yes. It, because he created the snake as the snake. He created him as a perfect being who also had free will. Right. Oh, here we go. Yeah. You knew that. So the first <laughs> thing he knew yeah. Adam and Eve had free will. So yes. Okay. Yeah. Okay. okay. Are you good now, David? Do you, well, you, you answer all your questions? Uh, 
Yeah. You don't get any more questions. Yeah. Just make sure you answer all the questions. Yeah. <laughs> Those have been good questions. So we, we could yeah. presuppose while in his infinite everything, God gave us volitional choice, but yet from the foundations of the world, he had this planned out that's, all That's my prayer. Right. Right. That's my prayer. Right. Right. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. I knew it was going to be there. And we don't, we don't, we don't get to make an excuse to God to say, "Well, you're the one that planned this from the beginning, so it's not my fault." No, he says, "Guess what? Well, yeah, we all need Christ." But I got, I got to say, if God is God, why did He make us all perfect? Well, He did. He made us all well, perfect. Yeah. Well, even he did. God, yeah. even God can't make a triangular square, right? Um, it's, it, it may be illogical for so. If we talk about free will, can God give free will and then also make sure people don't use it wrongly? Well, it's kind of like uh, illogical, right? If he gives you free will, he has to give you a, a legitimate choice um, of what to do with the free will. So could he have only created people who would not have chosen wrongly if gives you free and will. also create the type of world that he wanted to? So if you're... If you're an engineer, if you're building something, there's always like design specifications and limitations. So his well, theorem, his theorem one, all one was free will. Well, yes. it had to be because, because 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 he's alone. Love, he wanted a relationship. Love right. Requires well, that, free that will. Helps. So yeah. lo- right. so love. His first thought was free will. God is love, making everybody perfect. Right. Right. Love requires he wants a relationship. free will. Right. Exactly. Okay. Love requires free will. So free yeah. will. What Steve said and what you have said helps. And, and, yeah. he, and, he, and he wants yeah. to hang out with diamonds and not coal. Right? How do you make a coal into a diamond? That's good. Mm. Uh, I'm losing it. How do you make coal into a diamond? How does, the wind, how does coal become pressure. a diamond? Pressure. 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 Yeah. Under pressure. It takes time. Another another way of looking at this uh, is we're created in God's image, so that means he's kind of like us. We're like him, so he's like us. And the question is, do you like to be bored? (laughs) No. No, humans don't like to be bored. Well, God doesn't like to be bored either. Do we like to be lonely? So if he wanted to have perfect humanity, no sin, he'd be really bored. He created a very, a really book. heavy story. Well, Paul, sin, sin would be different. He wrote Paul, a real heavy Paul story. Paul also says, a, as a film producer, and he pro- he's producing an amazing, complex film with a lot at stake. And it, and he's not bored, and we're certainly not bored. So, so if if we look at all all of eternity, we can look at back through eternity to eternity past, where it was just God. He existed enough himself. He was complete, full of love. There's unity in the Trinity. There's Trinity and there's love, right? right? If we look to the future, on into eternity future, it at a certain point in the not too distant future, there will only be the sons of God with God for eternity forever in a perfect state. We will not sin anymore. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. we will be there for eternity future. So we're just talking about... <coughs> A period of time that is maybe a few, uh, you know. Interim. Yeah, it's a period of time that's very small in between eternity past and eternity future. Yeah. Well, and that is. Yeah, and the question, which is good you said that, because the question before us is how then should we live? 
because we are we are in the now, all right? And so that's what we are going to hit. That's what we're hitting in chapter 8. And we're talking about a small period of time. We're talking about billions of years. Yeah. That's a, really a small period. What you just said is, a, is the title of one of Francis Schaeffer's books. Yeah. How now shall How we live? How then shall we live? Right. Okay. Which is the question is, okay, so this is the problem. What is the solution? Okay. And how should we now live so we don't have what we just read? So that's what we're going to, we will, we will stop now because that's what we're going to start hitting on next week is what is the solution to that? And chapter eight opens that right up. Okay. Because chapter eight says something has happened where we can now say in chapter eight, we can say, therefore, some, okay, all the stuff we just talked about tonight, Paul says now something has happened because now there is no condemnation. The law, sin, condemns us to death. The, the only solution to sin, there is no solution. The, the result of sin and peace is death. Um, Paul says that throughout here. The solution, sin creates death. So how are we going to not die? What is the solution for that? Well, we're going to die right now because we're condemned to die. That's the condemnation of sin on us. Is It's going to bring death. But Paul opens up verse 8, I mean chapter 8, and says, But there is now no condemnation for those in Christ Jesus. Okay? So right there, he's just opening right at the very beginning saying, Something Radically, in all of history, biblical history has radically changed because now, in Christ Jesus, we are no longer condemned and no longer condemned to live under that sin anymore. We now have something new that we are slaves to. And that's what we're going to see starting next week in chapter 8, is what is that and what happened. And the screw tape letters kind of Shows us where the battle is taking place. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Which is what Satan. But the first verse you're talking about, I mean, it's just incomprehensible, really. Right. And I mean, we just pause on that. Talk about studying. You could just, yeah. Right. So, what I would invite all of you to do for next week, all right, is let me just read this, what this says here. It says, therefore, there is no condemnation for those in Christ Jesus. Why is there no condemnation for us in Christ when we become Christians? Because the law of the spirit of life in Christ Jesus has set you free from the law of sin and death. We're going to talk more about that next week. All right, there's a big statement. That's that's the summary statement for all of chapter 8. Everything in chapter 8 falls under, why? Because the law of the spirit of life in Christ Jesus has set you free from the law of sin and death. And when we really get that, our lives radically changed, all right? And then it says, for what the law, this is the Mosaic law, what the law could not do since it was weakened by the flesh, which Paul just talked about, God did, and what did God do that made this all possible? He condemned the sin in the flesh by sending his own son in the likeness of sinful flesh as a sin offering. Why? in order that the law's requirements would be fulfilled in us, who do not walk according to the flesh anymore, but now walk according to the Spirit. There's a whole lot there. 
Okay? That we're going to start talking about next week. What I want you to do, though, is this passage right up there in verse 3 about how did God solve this problem is referring back to Romans, starting at Romans 5. So Mary said mm. chapter 8 is going to launch us in different places. Mm. So we just saw how chapter 8 launched us into chapter 7. Now, it told us what the problem is. Now we're going to go back and look at chapters 5 through 6 that are going to show us what the answer is, mm. which is Jesus, which is Christ. Okay? Does that make sense, everybody? Mm. Because... We, if we now understand so good how sin works, <laughs> even more so should we understand what Christ has done so we are no longer in that sin. That makes sense? Mm-hmm. Okay, we did a lot. Most, uh, mostly don't like doing so much right, like, right. heavy-duty teaching, but hopefully it helped. Um, yeah. In keeping with recent custom, uh, can I read a, three verses? Absolutely. Yeah. Um, this kind of a benediction or a close, and it comes from the first chapter of Revelation, of all places. Mm-hmm. Revelation Jesus, tells what, what path, what chapter or verse? Chapter 1, verse 5 through 8. Mm-hmm. Jesus Christ, who is the faithful witness, try to think of, you know, every phrase, mm-hmm. the faithful witness and the first begotten of the dead, the first one to rise from the dead, I think that's what it means. And the prince of the kings of the earth, unto him that loved us, and washed us from our sins in his own blood, and hath made us kings and priests unto God and his Father. To him be glory and dominion forever and ever. Behold, he cometh with clouds, and every eye shall see him, and they also which pierced him. And all kindreds of the earth shall wail because of him. Even so, I am Alpha and Omega, the beginning and the end. That's in red, Jesus is saying. Saith the Lord, which is and which was and which is to come, the Almighty. And all God's people said, Amen. 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 Amen.